Welcome to The Bittersweet Life, a show for expats, former expats, travelers, and dreamers. It's a show about letting go of the rope, so to speak, and what happens when you do. If you're new to the show, I encourage you to go back to the beginning, all the way to episode one, and join us for the whole journey. There are a lot of great episodes in the past that you just shouldn't miss. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. My co-host Tiffany is away this week. Joining me instead is Daylene Heck. Her and her husband Pete sold everything to travel the world, boarding a plane to South America in 2009. And they've been going ever since, documenting their travels and their traveling tips at hectictravel.com. Right now, Daylene's in New Zealand. Thanks for joining me. No problem. Thanks for having me. So why did you decide to sell everything and move abroad? Uh, Well, back in 2007, uh, we went through quite a series of tragic events, all really stacked up against one another. Pete's mom passed away. My parents split up. We found out we couldn't have kids, and then my sister passed away very suddenly. And that was all within about a four-month time period. And so fell into a bit of a depressed state after that. And we'd always talked about travel as a lifestyle before, but it wasn't really until we were faced with the fragility of life in such a, such a dramatic fashion that we realized we wanted to just do what we really wanted to with our lives. And so we made the decision to sell everything and hit the road and really not knowing what would what would come of it. We never expected to still be going six years later, but here we are. Did you ever regret that decision to sell everything? No, no, not once. Not once. Has that ever been a regret? What were you doing before? Uh, so we were both uh, working in corporate Calgary. I was a procurement manager. Uh, Pete was an accountant. And so we both had, we're doing very well, high paying jobs. We had the big house in the suburbs. Uh, So we were just living that normal North American dream. As you travel, you're traveling the world. How do you decide where you're going to go and how long you're going to stay there? That is completely, uh, it changes all the time. We have no set way that we decide where we're going or for how long. It's opportunities come up and and we grab them. Um, Sometimes we have a week and we have no idea where we're going next and happen to look at what the cheapest flight is out of the country. We really leave it up to chance. Sometimes we let our readers even decide for us where we're going. So we're pretty bad at planning and we're pretty bad at decision making. So we really need help with that sometimes. (laughs) It's so surprising that you could be bad at planning and manage to pull off being on the road for six years. It's just something, you know, so many people get really excited by the planning of travel and we honestly both just hate it. And (laughs) Maybe it's just because we've been doing it for so long now, and and uh, that's the only thing about it, though, that we really it really gets us is having to plan and figure out where we're going next. So, where have you really liked in all the places that you've gone? Was there somewhere that you liked best, or that suited your desired lifestyle the best? Um, gosh, we've had it. Every place is is different. Um, it's hard to pin one against the other because. We like some places better for the food and other places better for the activities. But overall, I, you know, we both really kind of left our hearts in Turkey. We had a 
three week or three month house sit there twice in the same place. And it was a remote location where not anybody really spoke English. And it was really a great chance for us to dive into the culture. And it was just a really remarkable experience where once the neighborhood and the communities accepted us, we were, we kind of became rock stars in the place. And it was just a really fun, endearing experience. Now, you mentioned house sitting as part of that, and that's a lot of what I'd like to talk to you about. You actually together wrote an ebook called How to Become a House Sitter and See the World. Was this something that was going on before? I mean, have people always been house sitting around the world, or is this something fairly new? Um, the concept is really gaining steam, but it is something that people have been doing for a while. The, how we got onto it was when we were in Ecuador, we spent our first year just backpacking around South America. And we met a couple there, an American couple, who'd been house-sitting for 16 years. And they were house-sitting their way from California down to Argentina. And that's when we met them was in Ecuador. So they still had a ways to go. We went back to Canada after our first year around South America. We knew we wanted to keep traveling, but we weren't sure how. And backpacking is really exhausting to be in a new city in that every few days. And that's when we decided to give house-sitting a try. And it was some of the big websites that are available now for house sitting were just launching then. So it was really just starting to gain steam. And so when we wrote about it for the first time on our travel blog, we were the first popular travel blog to really talk about house sitting. And then we had so many people interested in how we were living because it, it's an entirely different immersive way to travel. Plus, you can save a lot of money by not paying rent. Then that's when we decided to put everything into an ebook. And now it's really completely taken off. There's so many websites out there now to match homeowners and house sitters to the point where it's almost getting too competitive. The prime house sits are just snapped up in no time uh, by people who have a lot of really great experience or sometimes just the first person that applies out of 50 that end up applying. So it's a really big, big phenomenon now. Is that how you ended up in New Zealand? Is it a house sit? It is a house sit. We are in a beautiful house on Lake Wanaka with two dogs and a cat to take care of for two months. And this one was via word of mouth. It was friends of ours that couldn't take it, so they suggested us, and we've always wanted to go to New Zealand, so we snapped it up. Is it strange to constantly be living in other people's homes? I know some people do struggle with that. We know a couple who blogged about it and just decided to quit doing it because they just could not be accustomed to... The one thing they kept harping on was nobody seemed to have a good paring knife anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) That really frustrated them, but... I guess we just are very adaptable. That's the thing. You have to be adaptable. You have to be just completely open to that. And we really look forward to it. We don't host it all the time. But when we do, it kind of becomes our break from constant travel. It gives us a chance to feel like we're in a home, even if it's not ours. (laughs) We take advantage of the kitchens. And I do lots of baking and cooking and stuff that we wouldn't do otherwise on the road. So for us, it's almost a bit of a break. And we welcome it. So how does that work when you're on the road? What exactly are you guys doing? Do you mean like job-wise or? Yeah, well, job-wise and also just does that mean you, you're you keeping moving or how, how does it work when you're not in a stable spot? So when we're not house-sitting, we're typically using Airbnb and stuff like that. And we like to spend a little bit longer in each place. So usually like a week to two weeks, we spend in any one location to get to know it a little bit better. Sometimes it's longer than that. For work, we have two businesses that we run online. One, of course, is our travel blog, Hectic Travels. And then the other one is Hectic Media. And what that is is we 
connect brands and destinations with new media influencers. So we've worked with a mobile app who is always looking for bloggers and Instagrammers to promote their app. And so we will go and search and find the right people who's the right fit to promote it. Um, We've worked with some small towns in Canada that want to bring in bloggers to write about their destination, but there's so many thousands of bloggers out there and they really had no idea where to start. So we've been around long enough. We know who the good ones are. So they hired us and in turn, we hired the bloggers and, and managed the whole entire campaign. So that's our day job, which we can thankfully do from any spot in the world, and it enables us to keep going. So when you hit the road back in 2009, were you thinking of it as being a temporary thing, like we just want to get out of out of town and try something new for a while? Or did you have a plan of how you were going to survive and what you were going to do? We really had no plan, and we were just going to throw caution in the wind and see where it took us. We, When we went to South America, we literally had only booked our first three nights in a hotel and we're just going to figure it out as we went. And we really had no idea. We didn't even know about travel blogging back then. We didn't start our blog for over a year. It was just completely, we'd figure it out. We're smart people. We work hard. If something didn't ha- work out for us, we'd figure out a way to find a job wherever we were and keep going. So that's just it. So going back to house sitting, if that sounds like an intriguing idea to some people. And who knows if you want to spread this around too much if the competition's getting so huge. But where do you even begin if that's something that sounds interesting? Well, you buy our ebook first. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Inside that ebook, we do a really good evaluation of all the websites that are available out there. Some are worldwide, others are more specific to particular areas. So it depends on where you want to go in the world and what exactly you're looking for. So We give a breakdown of who has the most house sits, in what location, and then it's about signing up to those websites. It's about creating a profile that's really going to make you stand out, developing all your references. It's like applying for a job. So we give advice in the ebook on how exactly to to do that and to increase your chances of getting a good house sit. One other option also is really it's just word of mouth. A lot of people get by on just doing that. You show up. Costa Rica, for example, is a very popular place for house sits. A lot of house sits typically exist where there are expats. And the expats want to go back to North America, visit their family for a couple months, and so they bring in house sitters. There's a lot of expat Facebook groups and all that kind of stuff out there that if you just throw your name into those groups and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for, a lot of people have had success that way as well. So it's really just about spreading the word of what you're looking for and paying close attention to the websites that are out there. Is there one in particular that you would recommend? You know, we've had success on probably four different platforms as well as word of mouth. The one that we are really keen on right now is called Nomador. They were just entirely based in France, but now they're spreading out worldwide and have the really the best website interface by a long shot. They're not as big yet, so it's not as competitive, and they're really progressing thoughtfully. Some of the other websites, it's just a big grab for getting as many signups as possible, but they want to ensure that they develop a really strong community of house sitters and homeowners, and they're really doing a really great job of doing that thoughtfully and slowly to to build that community that's going to be supportive and less competitive and all of that sort of thing. So that's who we've been really keen on. And we also got a three-week house sit in Paris through them, so that never hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll stay you a little bit, right? Let's talk about the that profile just a little bit, and I'm not going to make you give away all your tips that are in the book, but 
what does a person do to seem more attractive to a homeowner than somebody else? References are always a huge deal. That's one thing that's going to set people apart. And even if you don't have a reference from house sitting, chances are you've had a landlord you've dealt with or a veterinarian that can speak to your love of pets, even an old boss or whatnot, that will really make a big difference to a homeowner. The other thing is in just the brief opener, because we just did a survey recently and some of the homeowners said they get up to a hundred applications if they're in a really great location. It's tailoring the cover letter or profile to actually match that particular house that don't copy and paste an application. Don't make it about yourself and why you want to go to Paris for three weeks. Use the pet's names in your letter. Talk about your love of animals and all those kind of things that will make you a good house sitter for them. So really make it tailored in order to make you stand out to that particular homeowner. Well, if it's so competitive, once a house is listed, how much time do you realistically have to get in touch with that person before it will be gone? In a prime space, you have to get your application in within the first 24 hours, no question. And even then you may not have a chance because what they're going to do is they're going to look at the first few in their inbox and if they look good, that's what who they're going to go with. So being quick on the draw is really, really important on some of the bigger websites with very popular house sitting locations. Have you found other ways to save money since you've been traveling so much? Are there certain things that you do to make sure that your budget stays within a certain place? Airbnbs can cost a lot of money, particularly if you end up in high season at some of these places. Somewhat, although Airbnb is a steal compared to hotel prices. We're getting too old and grumpy for hostels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's one way to save money. But we have found some really incredible deals on Airbnb. I mean, it all depends on where you travel as well. We do like the more offbeat countries, so we'll spend a lot of time in, say, Eastern Europe. We just did a three-week stay in a coastal town in Albania, and the Airbnb, it was a two-bedroom apartment view of the water. We could walk out and spend and get right on the water, and it was $35 a night. Wow. So we've stayed in a luxury apartment right in the heart of Budapest for $60 a night. So Airbnb has some killer deals, I'd say more so than not. And it's become our go-to when we're not house-sitting. Are there any places that if you're going to be on the road for a really long period of time that are less attainable on a budget traveling? Oh, sure. I mean, New York. We had a a six-week house-sit in Manhattan. We probably never would have taken, been able to stay six weeks in Manhattan if it wasn't for that house-sit. So there's definitely places that, you know, you have to be careful of with your with budget. But in other ways, like most of the world, I think, is is attainable. Another thing that you mentioned on your website, you have a bunch of tips that you share for married couples, people who are traveling or not traveling. How did that come about? Well, I think being on the road as we are is really trial by fire. Some couples do it and don't and don't last because traveling with someone is a completely different experience than just living day-to-day life with someone when you're thrown together 24-7. I feel like, okay, so we're going to be celebrating our 14th wedding anniversary right away, but I would swear compared to most people, we've been married 50 years because of all the time that we spend together. So I think we had some valuable lessons to share from all this time we've spent together and you know, with how strong our marriage is now. Can you share some of those tips with us? Yeah, I think one of the most important ones we learned early on when we got to South America, the first few months were quite difficult. 
We had gone from, you know, maybe seeing each other for a couple hours a day, maybe quality time in our corporate lives to being thrown in together 24-7, not having the old roles that we used to perform in our marriage. Those were all out the window as well. So we really had to redefine our relationship. And we got on each other's nerves quite a bit in that first little while because we weren't used to being together all the time. And so we learned within the first few months that one of the most important things was just to take time away from each other and kind of nourish our individual selves. I think that early on in a marriage, you can just easily forget that and you feel like you need to do everything together all the time, but that's not the case. We really need to still be independent and have that side of ourselves nourished. And so we learned to just start asking each other for time apart. And at first it was like, well, what did I do wrong? But now we just realize that it's just necessary and it's not even a slight against the other person. It's just the fact that we just need that. And so we can ask it without judgment and give it without judgment. And so that was something very valuable we learned early on. With the way that you're moving around, you're the friends that you have, the constant friends that you have. Is forming friendships and having other outlets difficult to find? We still have a really strong friend base back in Canada and of course, this community that we're in of travelers, we've developed some good friends as well. But for the day-to-day stuff, yeah, I don't, I can't often just pick up the phone and call my best girlfriend and chat about who wore what at the Oscars. I don't know, something stupid like that. <laughs> Time zone differences, busy with our lives, all that kind of stuff just precludes that from happening anymore. So yeah, we really have to be each other's best friends, confidants, everything. And I have to listen to him talk about football and... He has to listen to me complain about the frizziness of my hair. And and that's just the way it has to be. Yes. It was interesting. I talked to another expat named Rashmi Dalai, and she was talking about how when you move around a lot, one of the hardest things can be having any kind of retirement or the ability to stop traveling. Partly just because the next job is always coming, but also because the money starts to feel a little bit like play money because it all looks so different. Do you guys have a strategy for how you maintain your budget on the road? No, we're pretty terrible at that. Um, Chop that up with our inability to plan well. We were fortunate in that when we, I mean, we left Canada with a good amount of savings because we had bought and sold our house at a very opportune time. And now that we're doing well with our businesses, money, of course, it's always a thought, but it's not a dire concern. Um, We are just very thrifty by nature, so we don't really get into analyzing our costs to the nth degree because we know we're we're doing okay and that we don't absolutely need to do that. So it's just not a habit that we've picked up, and we're both quite okay with that. (laughs) So in 2014, you got named by National Geographic as the Travelers of the Year, which I think is a pretty cool designation. What did that actually mean to you? Well, it was an incredible honor, honestly, and totally unexpected. We really, even when we knew they were considering us, we just thought there's no way in hell that that's actually going to happen for us. But when it came through, what it really did was just kind of serve a, serve validation, really, for what we're putting out in the world, that it does have value. And I mean, we get emails all the time, of course, from people saying that we've helped them and everything. And And that's fantastic. To be recognized out of thousands of people by National Geographic was really just an immense honor. There's just nothing really else we can say about that. It it, it really meant a lot to us. And 
and you know that what we're doing is 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 meaningful and we're helping people and we're we're just incredibly touched what do people ask you the most all these people who are reaching out to you it's funny i was just talking to another blogger about this the other day how different blogs attract different kinds of emails um she was saying how she gets emails from families all the time angry at her for inspiring their kids to quit law school um because she was a lawyer <laughs> But I said, we never get angry emails. What we get is people spilling their life story. And I'm not kidding, like just pages of this happen. You know, they can really relate to our story of why we gave everything up to travel. And they've gone through similar experiences, you know, some deep, tragic events in their life. And they really want to do what we're doing and all this kind of stuff where they acknowledge the changes that we made and just want to tell us that they think it's great. And so we get like at least a few a week just pages and pages of people's life story. I'm continuously crying from them. (laughs) Just very touched by what they send. Otherwise, questions that we get, though, are just really basic about house sitting. We've helped some people with their profiles and stuff like that. Yeah, it's mostly just life stories. (laughs) We've accumulated a nice little folder that I call amazing emails. There's a lot of in there. Is there any downside to staying on the road? to be constantly moving. Yeah, of course. I mean, it can be it can be quite tiring sometimes if we're moving quite rapidly. It is tough on relationships maintaining them while we're on the other side of the world. My mom, I don't think has slept very well a solid night in the past 6 years of us being gone. In a way, I kind of think I'm I don't know if I can say this about Pete, but I might be kind of wrecked. I don't know that I can now change and do go back to a settled lifestyle. I think I'm wrecked in a good way, though. I think a travel has just opened me up to so much that I it's insatiable. I can't stop. I just have to keep going and learning new things. So it's a downside. It's a good side. I don't know. It's tough to say at this point. Well, it does answer the question that I was going to ask you, which was, are you going to keep going or can you keep going? Uh, we definitely can. There's nothing stopping us at this point. I think the only thing that would really make us slow down or even probably go back to Canada and return would, I mean, our parents are getting older, ailments are getting more common. If that becomes an issue, of course, we would go home to be with our family. But the great thing about this lifestyle is that we have the freedom to do that and work from wherever. But other than that, there's just no reason to. We can't see how we could possibly be happier than we are right now. Part of this podcast has ended up being the tagline of the podcast has been learning to let go of the rope Mm. and which can be so hard to do sometimes, even if you're a person who wants to travel or you want to live abroad, it just seems like such a scary thing to do. Yes. Is that something people ask you about or that you have advice for? All the time. All the time we get, we talk to people about that and I really want to do it, but, and there's always a million excuses why not to do it from the time we made the decision I'll say from when we sold our house. So we got out at the end of May. So we were officially homeless end of May 2009. Our flight out was at the end of August. Um, So we had a few months where we were just tying up loose ends at our jobs, visiting family, visiting friends, because we really didn't know when we were going to come back. And so we wanted to put in as much quality time as we could. It was a complete roller coaster from, oh, my God, what have we done? We're completely nuts to I can't wait to get on the road. This is just what we need to do. The scariest part of course, was during that time, was making the decision and then realizing this was actually happening. And then when we got on that plane, I'll never forget the feeling because I don't think I'd slept the night before. I was a bit of a wreck. I'd said goodbye to my mom that that morning. But as soon as we got on the plane, it felt like a weight had lifted off of our shoulders. I felt lighter. I felt just completely 
a slice of freedom that I have never felt before in my life. That was when we knew that we had made the absolute right decision. It can seem stupid. It can seem scary. It can seem all these things. But the truth is, is that if you're not doing exactly what you want to do with your life and you just run around and say, I want to do these things and never do it, there's going to be a pile of regret there at the end. And that's kind of what got me through those last few months was even if we came home in a few months and decided we didn't like it, it would still never, ever be a decision that I would regret. And that's what kept us going. Daylene Heck and her husband Pete are the people behind hectictravel.com and their ebook is called How to Become a House Sitter and See the World, which you can also find at that website. I'll put a link at The Bittersweet Life. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, no problem, Katie. Thank you. And one little correction, it's hectictravels.com. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Hectictravels.com. It's my own typo on my bad handwriting right here. (laughs) (laughs) Hectictravels.com. So the link will be even more important. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, Katie. All right. This is The Bittersweet Life. Join us again. Visit the donate page on our website, thebittersweetlife.net. All donations are reserved exclusively for the creation of audio content. Your financial support keeps us strong. Thank you.